Hi, welcome back to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchant. And I'm Matt Hatter Plays. And today we have a very special guest with us, the Nike. Witch Nike. Um, Nike has been on our podcast before. We talked about ethical astrology. And this episode, Nike is joining us for Books and Broomsticks after dark. Matt and Frankie figure out astrology. Yeah, we're time. we're really good at a lot of things. Astrology's not one of them. <laughs> I just know when the moon's in Gatorade. Uh, sometimes the, the moon doesn't go Gatorade. Sorry, the mark. Every, no, everything's Gatorade all of the time. I think that's a, a really good symbol of how astrology informs my life. Yes, I go moon and Gatorade. Moon doesn't go to Gatorade. It's only Mercury. <laughs> Well, it's not only Mercury, it's every planet besides the moon and sun. Oh. Earth yeah. will go retrograde? Well, no, because the Earth isn't like a, a planetary point that we see. So all the planets besides the moon and sun all go retrograde because retrograde is, a, it's actually one of the words. So here Don't we are. Tell us. Um, Don't tell us. Okay, fine. Um, how about this? You just, you, what do you two give me a definition for retrograde and retrograde how it works? Is when oh. things move back, the planets move backwards or they reverse their typical alignment. And then whatever the planet rules over goes to hell. Matt? I, I only know this one because CD won't let me ever forget this one. It's the visual. It, our brains think that it's going backwards, but it's not actually going backwards because you cannot change a planetary's pole in 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 its in its orbit. So it just looks like it's going the opposite way. Um, but due to its associations in astrology chart, it's always done that at those certain times. So that's why we can depend on them and their reversal or their negative effects on the planetary alignment just a small stuff how can we look at a planet and perceive it going backwards well because it's relative to our motion and its motion and going around the sun and so like the speeds being different and the distances and all that kind of plays into the visual effect so you know we can't see the full circular orbit of everything going around so when it looks like it's paused it's just because the speeds of everything are are all the same and they're all steady so it looks like it's going backwards or stopped or whatever because our speeds relative to each other put those distances kind of weird you know like if somebody was gonna uh use a nerf gun to shoot something directly at you it it doesn't look like it's going fast it looks like it's getting bigger so the thing isn't actually getting bigger it just looks that way because of how we're perceiving it from our standpoint versus if somebody was standing uh perpendicular they would see the horizontal motion of from the nerf gun to you so it's it's that type of thing where the nerf gun dart isn't actually getting bigger it's just moving closer but your vantage point makes it look bigger nice yeah so there plus there's go. also like certain parts of our rotations that aren't doing rotations at the same speed yep. so literally gatorade is less fast than earth's consistent spinning so it looks backwards, but really it's just slowing down a little bit. So it looks, it looks backwards. Yeah. So it's the, the speeds and all that. So what's the astrological meaning of retrograde? Retrogrades are, um, it, the, the nice way to put it is the rule of re. So like reverse, um, rework, 
that kind of stuff. Like you can use those kind of redoing words. So in retrogrades, it is the, the I would say a different phase really, because that's kind of what it's part of is there, there's like planetary phases. Um, so kind of like you have the waxing, waning, full and new moons and stuff like that. It's similar for planets where everything has a time. And so the reason that we associate retrogrades with things going poorly is because we're still trying to work with that planetary energy in the direct way, but like, you know, everybody needs to sleep. So if you're trying to stay up all night, of course, you're going to feel bad. Like when I get really, really tired and I'm sleep deprived, I feel sick. Like I feel nauseous. My eyes hurt. My body hurts. My brain doesn't function the same way. So you might say, oh, going without sleep, like staying up all night means everything gets fucked up. But no, I'm just trying to fight the natural course of the day and night cycle. So I need to sleep. Therefore, if I don't sleep, I'll hurt my body. Retrogrades are the same thing when you're trying to go in a direct motion when it's actually time to stop and look at everything, it's gonna mess stuff up because if it's, you know, like you submit your manuscript for a book and then you have to go into the editing phase. If you try to just take the original base manuscript with no editing whatsoever and shove it out to the public, of course the book publishing is gonna go bad because you didn't take the time to edit and rework. So it's kind of like that, like a, a book publishing, you have to take the time. Once you've done writing it, you stop, you go back, back over everything. And then once you've done all the rework, then you go forward again. A retrograde is exactly that cycle. Doing the work is going direct, doing the editing is the retrograde. And then when you publish it, that's moving forward again. So I love that metaphor, obviously, because I'm a writer. Mm. Quirky and cool to me. Mm. Um, thank you learning 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 <laughs> learning brought to you by nike yeah uh what is our next word uh mercurial i start. i have like easy and then medium and hard so mercurial is on my easy list that's e yeah i was gonna say that feels very much like of the planet of mercury so mercurial i think typically means that something is a little unstable or of or similar to the element mercury yeah yeah like, yeah. yeah, like I'm right. Or yeah, yeah like it, it, it's the qualities of that. So you'll hear that for each uh, planet. So you've got like lunar, solar, that's pretty normal. Um, Mercurial, Venusian, Martian, Jupiterian, Saturnian. I don't know what the ones for the outers are. I think it's... Sonian? You're, yeah. Nep from <laughs> Avatar? No, I no, think it's pull out, pull out the elemental tables. I'm ready. Let's go. I think it's Neptunian, Uranian, and Plutonian, but I could be wrong because I almost never hear those terms. What <laughs> do you do? You want to try the next one without Frankie? Uh, oh God, sure. Let's let's see it. Uh, hear it. I have two together because they kind of go hand in hand. Election or electional astrology? Like, what would be an election? Okay. No. <laughs> no? You don't want to try it? I will try it. Also, the answer is Plutonian. Oh. Very Plutonian of the planet Pluto, uh, relating to the dwarf planet Pluto of or associated with the underworld. Because nice. Yeah. So what did you say? An election? Election or electional astrology. They're related. Uh, I mean, an election is typically putting something up for voting to leadership so i don't understand planets are confusing and big balls of metal think less <laughs> election and the word elect 
to, so I'm going to go verb-wise, to elect, would that mean that, uh, do you to choose where all your planets are? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? I just yeah. have to be the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of times you can use some of the, the roots of it. The rest of these are not going to be as easy because, good luck. <laughs> I'm so smart. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like look at you getting etymology up in here. Oh my God. Uh, think think of it this way. You know how when you choose like a planetary day and hour for working? Yeah. That's a form of election. So that's uh, sort of electional astrology. Oh my God. Or like choosing the, the right moon phase and the right sign, like waiting for a full moon in Taurus is an election. You might not be taking into consideration the other planets, but that is your electional astrology right there. It's it's choosing a moment or a time period for something to happen. I honestly think we should title this episode "Watch Frankie's Self Esteem Go Really High <laughs> and Then Plummet." Watch Matt just plateau as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make this much harder. I think I've got mm, like two in the this list still that you guys might get. And then I think, I think the rest you won't get. Groovy. All right. Well, I think that you should believe in me. Um, but anyway. Okay. Don't I believe in me. Every single person who's ever believed in me has been let down remarkably. <laughs> I'm, I was ready for a zero score. So, you know, we're we here. We did it. We did it. Uh, the next one is Void of Course Moon. Void okay. of Course Moon? Yeah. Or Void Moon. You might have heard it too. Void Moon. So is it void of course, like oh of course, or void off course moon? Void of course, like oh of course. Okay, so void would be blank. So I would say like like off off course mapping. Like your astrology chart has a void in it. I don't happen know. You're close, but it's specifically relating to the moon. So what would be void with the moon? What would be missing? <laughs> You're emotionally busted. <laughs> Like a new moon? No. It just sounds void. Technically, technically, that's actually um, the opposite. A new moon can never be a void of course moon. So it's a full moon. No, full moon can also never be a void of course moon. Okay, so so it's it's an incomplete moon. It's it's a moon that's that's voided off. So it's a time period where something's missing yes. of the moon. Yes. What's okay. missing? I don't know that you guys will get this. I don't think you will. Wait, what's missing? Yeah, the, yeah, there is something missing in relation to the moon and astrology. So when you think of like a chart, I'll give you a hint how planets relate to each other. So is this a moon missing another planet? I'll or give it to you. Yes. Is it when the your like sun and your moon don't match up or something? No, so a void of course moon is when the moon will not complete uh, an exact conjunction or degrees-based configuration to any of the aspects with any other planet within 30 degrees, regardless of sign boundaries. So if it will not be making any aspects at all, it's void of course, so it is. Uh, there's no relationships to it. Nothing is interacting with it. It's not interacting with anything. It's, it's also sometimes referred to as running in the void. So it's all on its own because astrology is all relational. So aspects are not, um, it's acting in this way. Aspects are, it is relating in this way. So like Jupiter square Saturn is, Jupiter is relating to Saturn through a square. So the moon has no relationships there. So it's running on its own, it's running in the void. So what does that mean for somebody's chart though? 
Um, it depends. Uh, it depends on if it's like a natal chart or an election or whatever. It can mean that that particular thing is difficult to get motivation and motion on. Um, it can be that they find it hard to get anything done or find a course in life, like to find a direction in certain timing techniques. Uh, it can mean that that period of time the places that the moon affects or rules in the chart or in your chart or you know varying portions of that the moon's rulerships and the moon itself there's sort of stagnation so there's nothing going on there and it, it's hard to initiate things so if you were like trying to make plans with friends during a void of course moon you might find that suddenly everybody has to cancel and you can't make this thing happen or you know you, you need to get this project done but something is stopping you it's not quite retrograde in the sense of like uh, things being put on pause or reworking, but just like you're swimming through molasses, nothing can get done. So it's like ADHD paralysis, except yes. astrology. Yeah, that's the point of course moon right there. I can't relate to anybody and nothing's happening. I'm going to stare at it the whole time and wait for the motivation to come. Okay. <laughs> I literally can't do this and yes. I don't know why. That's one of yes. the easy ones. Easier. They all get harder from here, but there's, nice. just, there's one I think you might get. Do you want me to do that one or do you want me to put that in the middle? No, just keep it keep it going. Okay. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> if we uh, run into it, yay. <laughs> uh, so there's two versions of this word. So there's the term itself and then the action of the word. So there's application or applying. Does that mean that a planet is applying its traits to you in that particular time? No. Okay. What Matt, about, I don't know, Matt, go ahead. Matt, I think Matt's talking for Okay, is that when you're, when I think of application, I would think of um, applying other traits into your chart or trying to apply something. Because uh, the only applications I can ever think of astrology is like cutting folk creating an amulet to protect themselves against uh, astrology. So I can't figure out what applying would be in astrology. <laughs> this one's pretty hard. So this is um, when two planets are moving closer to an exact aspect. What the fuck does that have to do with applying anything? Well, because like think applications, you're, you're applying, you're putting something towards another thing. So you're moving a planet towards another planet. So it's it's applying to that planet, applying to that that degree. So it'd be like if somehow Venus applied with Mars, some yeah. nonsense. That means that Venus is moving closer to an aspect with Mars. So okay. if Venus is applying to a square with Mars, Venus is getting closer and closer and closer to that square. Usually it's within a couple of degrees is where the application is thought to start. Um, but just generally it's moving closer. Okay. 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 And, and then, then the, the opposite would be separating, which is easier. Oh, so wait, what would that happen? What happens during those times? Um, it can mean that the, so if we go with a square, it means that the square is intensifying as you're applying. And then as you're moving away from it, as you're separating, it, it sort of fades off. Um, so when it's within so much, so many degrees where it's most intense, let's say it's something good. If there's a particular aspect that means that there is motion within your career, as you're applying to that degree, if it's helpful, 
things are building up and you're getting that motion. And as you hit exact, that's the peak point. So this is where the, the height of everything is. So if we go back to books, um, the application could be writing the book, submitting it for publishing, um, having it reworked and everything. The exact degree is where it gets published and goes out in the world. And then when they start to separate, you've already published the book, the work is already done. You're just letting it go on its own. And you know, eventually book sales will peter off because it's not new and exciting and there's other books to go get. So the, the sales will taper off, but the main bulk of the work is done and it's sort of wrapping itself up. So you get the royalty checks in and you have the contract settled and you just move on to the next thing. Oh, I'm totally acting like I'm going to remember all of this by the time I go to bed tonight. I'll let you know, I'm going to lose 50% <laughs> no, of it. I got like one, I'm going to get one thing out of this and it's going to be the most random thing and it's going to be <laughs> a fixation of mine for a while. Oh I'm yeah, gonna no, I'm going to hear about it. I'm going to get like text messages in the middle of the night being like, did you know this? And I'm going to be like, I was literally. Boyd, of you. course, right now, moon. And then that's oh. like, what the fuck are you talking about? And be like, bud, <laughs> I was yeah. there with you. I don't know what to tell you. Aversion. Does that mean that two planets and what they rule over are op opposite each other? No, that would be an opposition. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Is it. This one's hard. Two... I'll give you that. Is, is it like two signs that won't ever get closer together? You're in the right ballpark, but not quite. Two degrees that won't get closer together. Again, the same ballpark, okay. not quite. I'm just gonna go through a bunch of different terms. <laughs> we'll just we'll just keep going in in two, this like it won't come together. <laughs> two planets that will never get closer together. Kind of. Okay, what is something similar to planets, Matt? That is in astrology. Uh, you you are closer with signs and degrees. Okay. Um. Do you want a hint? Yeah. It's sort of like void of course moon. Yeah, I totally remember exactly what we talked about with void of course moon, <laughs> especially right now when I need it in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm a total expert, but I'm gonna let Frankie take this one so that uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it's uh, two planets not aspecting each other, or it could also be like two signs or two houses. So when something is in aversion, it has no relationship to something, and more specifically, these aspects. A lot of astrology has to do with sight. So like retrogrades are how we're seeing it, um, how bright something is, morning versus evening stars. Um, and so the idea of aspects is you're seeing or witnessing another planet. So you're literally looking at each other. There's this idea of casting a ray, which is uh, the thought was that you cast rays from your eyes, which is how we see sort of the opposite of what it actually is with stuff reflecting into our eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it has to do with sight. So the aversion is you can't see each other because you're not making an aspect to each other. So like aspects relying on being able to see each other. So like the first and second house do not have any aspect pattern that goes along with them, or at least not the traditional ones. So you have to wait until it is either two signs away for sextile. Oh, I'm gonna get my math wrong on this. Two signs away for sextile, th not three, four signs away for square. I'm, I'm gonna need you to figure this out because you're the expert we brought on here. Five for a trine, <laughs> seven for an opposition. Fuck you. Champion. The I actual champion. the actual champion right here is Nike. Yes. 
So like uh, first house. Yay. Plus America. Yeah. So first house, second house are in aversion. First house, sixth house are in aversion. First twelfth, that kind of stuff. There's like specific places where um, that also plays to like houses being considered inactive relative to each other, that kind of stuff. So uh, aversion is no aspect. Gotcha. You can think of it as like turned away means you can't see somebody, so you're you're in aversion to them. Sometimes nice. I feel like this will help me understand what you're saying when I ask you astrology questions. Because you're like, you got this trine and this opposition and this aversion. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? See, but that's why so I'll say those things first. So you can have those as like notes, but then also I'll just say what it means. So like this is trying this, therefore, because yeah. I know you're not going to get the first part. Astrologers can just tell each other, oh, I have this and this and this. And then that's all. Like I can tell people uh, the eclipse is happening on like exact over my ascendant and they'll know what that means. Mm-hmm. I just solidly just do one of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Next, uh-huh. question mark. <laughs> Next one is the one I think will be easy. This is this is your last like relief one. Oh, they Dom- domicile. It's your home. Yeah. Oh. It's the home of the planets. Oh. Yeah. So uh, Jupiter rules Pisces and Sagittarius. So Jupiter's domicile or its home is. Uh, Sagittarius and Pisces. So it's it's where a planet calls home. Cool. So easy. So what does that mean on a chart though? Like what if somebody has a, a sign in a domicile? Uh, if you have a planet in domicile, it means that that planet has access to its own resources. For better or worse, this is not always necessarily a good thing, but it means that planet can act in that planet's nature. So Mars being at home is not necessarily good per se, um, it, it's kind of hard to describe good versus bad because everything sort of has ups and down sides to its own. Um, but Mars is able to act in a Mars way. So it might be unhappier and cause more issues if it's not at home, but it can also get into easier trouble in a sense. Quick, so, like, check Sun Tzu's uh, natal chart. I wonder if his <laughs> Mars is... Uh, if it's Mars is in domicile. I thought you said Sun Tzu. And I'm like, who is Sun Tzu? Yeah, Sun Tzu. The art of war. Wait. It's not pronounced Sun Tzu? I, it's one of those situations where there's... It varies. Well, it, it probably we is don't Sun even Zoo, know if whatever. he was a real dude. <laughs> We're not getting into that right now. Give us the next turn. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to give a little bit more too to like help you understand what domicile could be. Mm-hmm. Um, think of it, well, I'll, I'll go with you too. So Matt, when you're at home, you know where all your stuff is, you know where your silverware drawer is, which forks go in which bin, where your books are. You could probably walk your house in the dark if you've lived there long enough. Probably, maybe. Like my this childhood home, I could I could do that, you know, everything blindfolded, whatever. I knew where like the, the bumps in the wall were and all that. So I'm at home, I have access to my own stuff. And so it's usually more comfortable and when another planet is in your home and you are also there. So let's say during Leo season, if Mercury is in Leo as well, Mercury is using the sun's resources. Mercury has come over to visit to the sun's house and the sun is there as well and can say, yeah, my bathroom's over there and like the several drawers over there, spoons and bowls are up there. But if the sun's not home and Mercury is there because it's you know in Virgo or whatever, uh, the sun could call Mercury and say, yeah, the, the dishes are up in the cabinet, but the sun can't point to the cabinet and be like, there they are. Mercury may have to stumble around a little bit and be like, oh fuck, which of these cabinets is it in? Shit. And if they're besties, maybe it's a little easier to navigate the house because you go over all the time and it's fun. You like being there and it's comfortable. Or 
you could go over to somebody else's house who fucking hates you. And now you're just sitting in their house like, I don't like any of this. I don't like you. You make me uncomfortable and I don't like being here. Why, why this? Why am I, why am I here? So it's the resources you have access to. Taking away the knives from Mars sometimes is a good thing. But if you need <laughs> Mars to defend you, maybe it's not so good that Mars doesn't have his knives at that moment. I got a drawer full of knives. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's some Mars quality. So maybe for some people, they're more comfortable when you don't have your knives on you. But for other people, if you're getting attacked, maybe you want to have your knives. <laughs> All right. Okay, I kind of get it. Um, huh. Yeah. We did it, you guys. Yay. <laughs> and now it's going to be misery from here. I think Frankie got some tasty pizzah. Pizzah! Pizzah! That's all the pizzah. Which means Matt gets the next one. Oh, solid. <laughs> Thanks, you son of a bitch, Frankie. <laughs> yeah, this was all planned. This was just to torture you. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. This is Reception. the Torture Matt episode. That's fair. Yes. Reception. I, uh, recession? Reception, like reception. Reception. Desk. Okay, so the way... If that would be the way we take in something or in some manner. So I'm going to, if I had to think about it, it's degrees, angles, lines of sight. So the way that we re like receive signs or the way we receive uh, like planetary alignments? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> Frankie full of pizza. Hello, Ethan. Frankie full of pizza. Do you want to try to guess at uh, reception with your mouthful? I would like to say that possibly reception is um, receiving something. Yes, but in what what specific Solid. way? Solid. Um, so if the moon is receiving something. Light. Ethan says light. I mean, technically, technically speaking, that's always going to be correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like we were saying earlier, everything has to do with sight. Um, so reception is where a planet is located in a sign where another planet has its dignity. So like uh, something being in Cancer and having aspect to the moon is being received. And then there's also mutual reception. So if, uh, oh, I have to, fucking my brain is melted. Nice. Let's, let's say that Saturn is in Scorpio and Mars is in Aquarius. So they're okay. making a square aspect and they're in each other's houses. So they're, they have mutual reception versus if, uh, you know, Mars was in, uh, let's go with, oh, it's gonna be an easy one. If Mars was in Virgo and was making some aspect to Mercury, Mercury is receiving uh, Mars because Mars is in Mercury's house and Mercury can see Mars. And so they can, you know, wave their arms and be like, hey, yeah, <laughs> over there. That hey, way. yo, drinks yeah. are in the fridge, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you could, you could do a little like, yeah, drinks there. Yeah. <laughs> So, We're you know, there's, space, there's still a little bit to be able to communicate better. It sort okay. of improves that relationship versus, you know, you could still be making an aspect with Mercury, but if you're not uh, in either of each other's homes, you've got, you know, you, you can still do that, but you're not going to know it as well. So, you know, if, if they have reception versus if they just have an aspect, 
maybe Mars is in Jupiter's house and Mercury's like, uh, I don't know that place super good. Try that way maybe so they can talk and have this dialogue, but it doesn't always necessarily go as well as if it was like, no, you're in my house. I can see you. Yeah, just go that way. Or like, you know, that's, that's doing the call. Like, Hey, I'm not home, but I, we can communicate. We have a connection. So, so how does that affect somebody's let's like make it weird and like a person, how does that affect their life? at that moment in time like a reception versus a non-receptive moment of the same sign uh it just means you can work together better there's more access to resources for help so like if if you're over in mercury's house and you give mercury a call the, if they have reception think of it like cell reception literally like they pick up the phone because they got the call and they can be like oh yeah you're looking for this thing that's over in this cabinet you know the the socks drawer is under the bed like that kind of thing versus if they don't pick up you're like ah fuck uh i guess i'll find it on my own like so, it's just literally being able to have contact with them okay and i guess i i mean it more in like a like, in like a chart? more specific yeah like if i was looking at my chart and i had a reception moment happening versus a non-receptive moment happening uh we'll even like run into say my venus is in whatever what happens when this venus in whatever is in a receptive moment versus my venus in whatever in a non-receptive moment uh your venus is more supported so let's say that venus was in mars's house and mars had an aspect like a good aspect like a trine or something mm -hmm. um Normally, Venus absolutely hates to be in Mars's house, but they have a good relationship and they can see each other. Mars can, with the trine, it's positive. So Mars can say, all right, yeah, I'm feeling generous right now. This is where shit is. Venus doesn't like to cook dinner with knives. Venus is a baker. So like it, it's, it's able to interact better. So normally if Venus would be debilitated there and if, uh, uh, do you know your rising sign? My personal rising, uh, yeah. that would, hold on, I remember all of these, but I have to put them back in order. Uh, Aries, Taurus Moon, Libra rising. There we go. Okay. Um, so if you're a Libra <clears throat> rising, then let's see, one, two, three, eighth house. Is that right? Yeah, eighth house. So Venus rules the first in the eighth house. So for you, if Venus was in a Mars sign, normally you might have like issues with your physical body or your vitality. Maybe you get sick a little bit more often. Um, things like taxes, maybe you have more trouble having good tax returns. Maybe it's always you owe money every year or something like that. If Venus then has reception with some wherever it is, you know, if it's in Mars's house, if Mars is receiving it, well, maybe because mars is your seventh house maybe you get help through um you know your relationships maybe your partner helps you file your taxes and that makes it easier or they help you on your sick days so you don't have to worry about it as much and they can serve like meal preps so you don't have to have the spoons for cooking you can just not worry about it that kind of thing so it's sort of like where that resource is going to be coming from and you know okay. maybe your partner doesn't make the the meals quite right or they aren't a tax expert so they're not going to be able to find you every single discount but it's relief even if you still owe money, maybe, you know, it's less money than you would owe normally, or you know, you're still going to have the bad days, your low spoon days. So it's not like it's fun. It's just less bad. Cool. This is Are learning you? with Matt because he doesn't know shit. <laughs> All right. Where's my list? I put it away. Where'd it go? Why would you do that? 
What? Just I'll just send you my birth chart, by the way. That way I don't ever have to answer this question ever again in my entire life. <laughs> yes, I have everybody's everybody who has ever sent me their chart is saved. Now wait a second. This seems like a terrible decision. We're giving Nike our like social security numbers. Yeah, give me your your <laughs> astrological social security number. Do it. Sick. I yeah, can't I, wait to be cursed. Thank you so I, much I, for I have, this opportunity. I have a lot of birth charts that I've saved over time. And so uh, you know. I would say it's probably a dumb idea to cross an astrologer you gave your chart to and who knows it intimately because you asked them a million questions about it so they had to analyze your chart a lot. Probably a bad <laughs> idea to make them your enemy. Uh, I actually only have a couple terms left, but these are gonna be harder. Oh, I have to take one of these off because I already told you that witnessing is aspecting. Okay. That's okay. Now um, we got one more. <laughs> we have uh, two terms left. Okay. I'm or at least ready. for the ones I prepared. A time lord. <laughs> Who is this doctor? David Tennant. <laughs> this is predating Doctor Who. Thank David you. Tennant. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> for Engel something. Here, the let me pull let me pull them all up for you. Christopher <laughs> Eggleston? Yeah. Eggleston. Eggleston. I mean Eggleston. He, no. Everyone called him like <laughs> No. I, I like the ninth doctor. He counts. No. So what's Time Lord? I would say a time lord is someone who has full understanding of all the planets and is able to read off someone's chart very easily. No. Fuck me. Well, <laughs> do we have TARDIS? No. Okay. I'm going to say that it has... It's got to be something that dictates uh, the, like the movement of the planets or when things are going to be happening. Mm, no, but rulership is the right idea okay a time lord is saturn <laughs> i mean uh, yes but that's not what the term refers to damn it okay is it when oh is it when it uh each sign rules over what time it's doing a thing kind of um you're really close actually that's those like three little those little three things that people can get born on like you you get born on a certain time in a certain star placement so that planet would have rulership of what happens when you're born I, yeah uh I, I think you're right but for the wrong logic nice i love being so wrong and right <laughs> <laughs> um so time lords are the planet that is activated and acts as like a, a ruling force for a certain period of time so nice. frankie have i talked to you about perfection years before uh slightly i just know that i think i'm in one well you're always in one uh, but it, it shifts what it is. So, no. <laughs> so, no, but yes. Um, let's see. So, you're born here. So, let's do... I'm... Oh, fuck. Let's see. 24, 25. 25. My friend who knows astrology is always like, it's my Saturn perfection year or something. And I'm like, so I don't I, know what that means. Yeah. So, you're in a first house year, um, which means you your year is ruled by Saturn. So, Saturn is the time lord of the year. Or Lord of the Year. So what does that mean if Saturn is ruling my year? It means that Saturn is the, the more important planet for the overall time period. And there, there's a lot of techniques that use this. Am I not? So wait, am I am I not a Saturn ruled chart? Um, 
the chart ruler is more complicated and doesn't always necessarily mean like your ascendant ruler. It can, but that's that's real tricky and kind of argued how you figure out the, the chart ruler. My chart? Yeah, there's there's a lord of your chart. Like the, the planet that is strongest or most prominent for varying reasons. Mm -hmm. So the time lord. Um, so for what it means, it also depends on the specific timing technique. So I'll just go really easy and go with perfection years because that's really simple every year relates to a certain house and the ruler of that sign of and we're going with whole sign houses so my you know if you're if you're ascendant is at 15 degrees of scorpio the entire sign of scorpio is your first house it's just that the ascendant is at 15 degrees so whole sign houses is super easy so when you're born you're zero years old it's a first house year when you turn one year old the entire time you're one is a second house year and it just goes on and on and on around the chart and circle so um, if you go to the first house, you can count off by 12. So age 12, it's the first house. Age 24, it's the first house. Age 36, it's the first house. So for me, like I'm 27, I count off. Uh, so 24 would be first house, 25 is second house, 26 is third house, 27 is fourth house. So I'm in a fourth house year. I'm in, so I'm in a first house year is what you said. What does yes. that mean? Can you elaborate for the listeners? Yeah, so a first house year for you will go with your Saturn rising. It means that Saturn is the most important planet of the year and your first house is more prominent. So that's anything relating to aspects to or by Saturn, either um, by transit or natally, and anything happening within your first house. So anything moving in and out of Aquarius, anytime that there's an aspect hitting the transiting Saturn or anytime that anything is aspecting your natal Saturn. So- um, Can you remind me what first house is again? Is that just like defined by Saturn for me or are there particular traits that have to do with Saturn. I mean, first house. Both. So the first house has its own properties. Saturn has its own properties. And then Aquarius gets properties <clears throat> from being Saturnian. Um, so it all kind of goes together. So like Saturn has general qualities. Aquarius is a fixed air sign ruled by Saturn. So those parts all go together. So you tie them in together. And then the first house generally has its own stuff. And then that's all modified by the relationship. So it's kind of putting all the pieces together. So you have First house meaning, so um, self, vitality, body. Sometimes it's literally physically your body. Um, you have Saturn, which can be um, stunted, slow, depressing, um, responsibility. Sometimes it's to deal with um, water travel and land and agriculture, depending. Um, and then you've also got the fixed air so anything relating to air qualities, um, so usually like more mental stuff and anything relating to being fixed. So being very stable, being the middle of a season, um, that's what fixed signs are is they're right in the dead center of a season. So Aquarius is the dead center of winter. It's, it's very fixed winter. It didn't just become winter. It's gonna be winter for a while longer. Uh, Leo is a fixed sun, uh, sun sign, a fixed fire sign. It's the dead middle of summer. So it's been summer for a little bit. It's gonna keep being summer. We're at the peak of summer. So it's it's those same things of like the intensity, not really changing. Um, so you sort of tie those together and then look at relationships. So if you have anything opposing it, if you have trines, if you, you know, so it's this planet in this sign with these qualities with this relationship to this planet in this sign with these qualities. So it's like all the pieces kind of going together and you can honestly just sort of put some of the keywords together and figure some stuff out real basic. So if so you basic. have- 
So basically, doing terms is hard. Doing sentences would have been easier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so like a first house year with Saturn, if you have Mercury transiting into Saturn this year, you'll have more of that impact. So if you... If you're going to pay attention to any transits, you want to pay attention to transits involving those portions. So anytime the moon enters your first house, or if the moon is aspecting Saturn, or if uh, if transiting Saturn is aspected by something else, if your natal Saturn has aspects happening to it, because you can also have like the transiting moon aspects your natal whatever. So let's see, the eclipse in Scorpio is in your 10th house, which uh, means that the... I feel so stupid right now. Is the moon is there? Uh, no. Oh boy, for one of them. Whichever one it is, the I'll go with sun because it's easy. So the sun would be in Scorpio, making a square to anything happening in your first house. You've got a two-degree ascendant, so that is making an exact square to your ascendant. And because it's your first house and it's your first house here, that's gonna be more important in that specific relationship of the eclipse of endings squaring your first house um, and your ascendant. So there could be, if you were having physical issues or uh, longer term health issues, they could be coming to a close by way of like relieving stress from endings in your career that entire description now has me understanding why there's five bajillion lines in every single star chart I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Yeah. All those lines you see in the center, that's all the aspects. The last term I have, actually, no, I have, two, I do have two more. Um, nice. I have, this one you're not going to get. I know it for a fact. Oh shit. <laughs> Planetary joy. When you love a planet so much, that it <laughs> so much joy. Like Benji is finding so much joy. Benji, like, yeah. I'm literally, there's so many good like video clips that I can use for promo in this. Just Benji coming up for, for kisses. <laughs> like, hey. Okay. My guess is that when it's a planet at its apex, a planet no. at its. Okay. Well, I tried. So planetary joys are the houses that they have the most affinity for. So there's being in signs which is, you know, at home or exaltation, stuff like that. But there's also the joy. So like Venus finds joy in the fifth house. Venus can do more Venus type actions. It's, it has more of an affinity to the fifth house. Mercury has its joy in the first house. Um, Saturn has its joy in the 12th. Again, it's not necessarily good from our perspective of like the personal bias stuff. Like it hurts to go through hard times, but hard times can ultimately be for the best doesn't mean they're fun but they teach you lessons so like equating it as good or bad is kind of hard it's the same type of thing oh, but so it's they... like a carnival coming to uh your planet's yes planet's doorstep yeah it, it's just sort of a toss-up so like venus can have connections to fifth house themes saturn can have connections to 12th house themes so like mercury has its joy in the first house mercury is changeable it can be uh daytime or nighttime affinity planet it can be male or female it can be um positive or negative good and bad it, it sort of has all those qualities it's very non-binary androgynous because it, it's shifting all the time it's always moving back and forth so it's not something that can really be pinned down so the first house is that in between time between um life and death because your ascendant is where the the stars were on the horizon at the moment of your birth at, at your first breath so 
it's it's that in between time it's really dangerous for a baby it's really dangerous for mom when birth is happening 12th house sometimes is related to death so um when your mom is in labor that's like the the 12th house time is when it's that most intense time when things would really 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 go wrong i had a friend of mine who um right at that point of labor where the baby started to come out i think she came out breech and she had um some of the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck so she lost some oxygen and it was really dangerous and could have died and of course then if something happens in that portion mom could die so it's really dangerous and then beyond that afterwards is the life portion so the ascendant is that moment between life and death it's in the in-between it's liminal and so mercury has its affinity with that liminality fifth house is like pleasures it can be sex it can be creativity and arts um, and venus has affinity with all of that so it just makes sense that she would enjoy being there and, and have that affinity saturn can be isolation and being locked away it can be boundaries and the 12th house also is isolation and and boundaries and being away from others so it has affinity with those things so the planetary joy is the house where it has the most affinity so let's let's have a let's have this like ultimate pretend moment right what if uh venus in its joy house i always lean back to venus because apparently i'm the sex guy around here anyway uh venus in its favorite house with its favorite uh sign going on what does that mean for a person in that moment are they just having the most free-for-all moments of their entire lives oh yeah it so if we go with like i'll go with venus and taurus in the fifth house could be you know anything to do with venus is going to be really really strong because venus is very well supported there like if that's her natal chart um so anything that venus wants to do is always going to be a lot better for them compared to others because it has access to its own resources it gets to act in a way that it has an affinity with it gets to be in this environment that's really great um so like venus is in its favorite city in the entire world in its own apartment that it loves like dream home type of deal and all your all your things are just so and they're perfect it's a really, really great place where Venus can just thrive. So anytime Venus needs to do anything or anytime that that house or that planet is activated or anything goes through it, it just gets the extra benefits of everything being so wonderful. I could love my apartment and it's my refuge and my home, but if it's in an area that I don't really like, it's only so-so. And like, yeah, my friends can come over and we can have a good time, but imagine how good I'd be if I'm like medicated in the best place where I could be, a place I, I adore, it's in the right spot, I'm next door to all my friends. Like, think of how I could thrive here. And then you come Everything over to that house. Parties. Oh yeah, you come over for a party here, hell yeah. Versus like, yeah, we could party over there, but I mean, it's kind of far away, it's inconvenient. We're gonna get shot. Like it's, it, but it's like, we're gonna have a good time. My stuff's all there but it's less fun so okay. it's it's that kind of stuff so whatever venus is doing or happens to venus or happens to that house it just gets extra extra support so you know, even in the, the toughest times with hard aspects to that house it's still better than it would be for somebody else who has things sort of in the opposite configuration where venus in somebody else's chart is in a mars sign it's in a house that it doesn't like to be in it has negative aspects happening to it and you if you both have the same exact thing happening like if, if venus is getting a square from mars for you with your wonderful venus versus this person with their terrible venus for you like maybe some things go wrong but ultimately you're all right for them maybe it's disaster maybe like it's everything like, is awful yeah, yeah maybe okay it's, yeah so it could really just change things up so if you have a really well supported planet in your natal chart the same transit can affect you entirely differently even if you like have the same sun moon rising 
the rest of your planet still play a role and the specific placements they're at are going to matter. So I could have the, the, you know, Gemini, Sun, Capricorn, Moon, Scorpio rising, and somebody else could have the same thing. But if I have, uh, and this isn't my real placement, but like if I have Mars in Aries and they have Mars in uh, Taurus, things dealing with Mars are going to act real different. If I need to harness that Martian energy, I'm going to have an easier time than they are. Or if I need Mars to chill the fuck out, it might be a little easier for me than it is for them because they don't have a, a healthy Mars. Okay. Huh. That's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think about. Um, I did Were have you... a... Were oh. ben... Was Benton just barking at you? Yeah, he was talking back. We call that talking back. Solid. That's so the is snacky because he's grumpy. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I also need snackies when I'm grumpy. <laughs> the last term. Last term. Chariot. Well, I'm going to go fuck myself. Oh, fair enough. I have no idea. Is it the so transit between one planet to the other? Is nope. this when something is going to be successful in your planetary in your chart? Yes, but it's the specific reason why. What makes it successful? Because all the planets are working together like a big family. No. Chariots are about transport, right? So I would assume that it's... Um, it's not quite about transport. It can do with transits. The definition I have is a planet in its domicile, exaltation, or bounds. These are terms you don't have to know. Um, planets in places where they like to be. Porphyry, who's one of our uh, texts, adds triplicity. So triplicity being um, elements. So specific elements, certain planets have more of an affinity for. Um, it's a it's a whole thing. The triplicity rulership scheme is complicated. Um, it's mentioned as mitigating a, a mitigating condition for planets under the beam. So if they are too close to the sun and are sort of getting burnt up, um, it can protect them from that. So. When a planet is is getting close to the sun, but it's not directly on top of it, you can't see it anymore. And so much of astrology deals with sight. So if a planet is, let's, let's go to Scorpio. Let's let's change the arrangement of all the planets right now. But sun is in Scorpio. So let's say that Mars is uh, going through Libra. Everything really sucks. It gets really really close to the sun as we've just entered um, Scorpio season. So it's within so many degrees of the sun but Mars isn't home yet. So Mars is under the uh, under the beams. It's getting burnt up. You can't see it anywhere in the sky because the sun's just too bright and blocks everything out. There's no time for you to be able to see it. So a lot of what you want to be able to do to harness Martian energy just isn't going to work out. When it enters Scorpio, even if it's still close to the sun, it's in its chariot. So it's considered as having a mitigating condition to help relieve some of that. So yeah, maybe you can't see it, but it's at home, so it can still do whatever it wants. It doesn't have to be in the spotlight or you know, it's in its triplicity or its exaltation. So it still has access to resources and can do all right, even if it's not able to be seen and heard and and uh, you know, it, it can't really be in the limelight because the sun is just burning it up. It, it The sun being under the beams and being too close to the sun can, can manifest in like a literal way of like, you're being burnt up, you're shriveled, um, you want to be a beautiful grape, but instead today you are a raisin. That's <laughs> solid. But sometimes raisins are tasty. And that's so it's like chariot. receiving Morse code when when in need of 
communications with. Yeah. Or like you're at a concert and it's really fucking loud and you can't hear anything. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I remember I have, I know sign language or like I can text it on my phone. Like the, the time before you do either of those things is when you're being burnt up by the sun. Entering your chariot is, oh yeah, here, I can just type the message on my phone or I can get noise canceling headphones so I don't hurt my ears. So you, oh, you get a mitigating condition for the, the place you're in. So you can okay. mitigate the condition of the concert being too loud. So let's, um, so on a personal level, is this where you, do you think personally, a lot of like uh, practitioners garner things like amulets and these kind of uh, traditions of protecting themselves uh, from planets that they don't want to deal with is that their own yes. version of trying to chariot themselves essentially yeah and that goes into electional astrology so you're making an election to create this charm using planetary magic and you're probably picking a specific day and hour so there's planetary days planetary hours um and so you can you can elect the right time uh, could even be location because something shift a little bit depending on location so you're picking the right moment to bring in the specific energies you want. And you know, some electional astrology, you can kind of ignore some of the other planets. So if the moon's in a really poor condition, but you don't need any lunar assistance and you're focusing entirely on like Mars or Jupiter, that can be okay. It can still affect some of it to a degree, but your bigger focus is on these other elements. So you're really looking for this other stuff. So if you're looking for protection from this specific thing, like when Mars is debilitated, maybe you wait until Mars is in, uh, in Scorpio or you know even if it's under the beams when it when it's in Scorpio but in his chariot or has a, a positive um aspect happening to it to give it more support you can wait for that moment to make that charm so that when Mars is retrograde or is being squared by Saturn and it's in a bad place where it doesn't like to be and can't act with its resources you can have that amulet or that charm to act as its own form of mitigating factor essentially acting as like putting it in the chariot so you could you can get out of your Gatorade by getting the best uh, Mercury you can possibly get ahead of time. You can, <laughs> bottled, yeah. <if> you <laughs> bottled Gatorade, bo bottled Mercury is fine. You guys, you can buy it from the store. It's great. Just don't touch it. <laughs> I thought, never mind. Don't touch Mercury. You thought what? No. Oh, yeah, Quicksilver. Correct. Yes. Don't, don't touch that. <laughs> I don't think ever. Uh, I believe in you. Technically, you can you can touch Quicksilver. You just shouldn't eat it or, or yeah. have any cuts. And please wash your hands immediately. Your yes. In fact, just don't touch it, actually. You know what? Frankie's right. Be be an don't adult. Touch don't it. touch don't touch Quicksilver. Please. Um, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us today on this lovely men trying to figure out astrology. We typically don't edit these after dark episodes too much. So people are gonna get to learn a lot about astrology. It's Good. <laughs> We are going to edit a little bit because we went way off. <laughs> oh, no. Don't worry about that. I yeah, there's, that. there's minor edits that'll have to, have to happen. Um, But thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, this is fun. I think it's nice to be able to get into it. You know, like, I, my whole life was crazy for the last six months. Thank you, Eclipses. We're going to wrap up this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone who joined us today. This has been Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchant. I'm at her place. And I'm Nike. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>